Recorded live by the woman who goes through more podcast co-hosts than I do underwear in a year. Ew, that's kind of gross, actually. My name is Bill Satry, the big voice of Transformation Thursday. And my pronouns are he, him, his. Because A.B. still has some mythical hold over me, I'm still doing these announcements pro bono for the coolest student who ever attended Bemidji State University. It's Transformation Thursday now, hosted by Amy Stevens, because she can't ditch herself, can she? Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. My name is Amy Stevens. My pronouns have not changed in the last half hour or so, and those are she, her. As I alluded to in the open, today we have a special returning guest. Our, let's see, General Counsel Emeritus Francesca Rodriguez is joining us, but instead of from Northern Virginia, she's joining us from Northern California these days, and as well, her sister, Karen Rodriguez. Francesca, first you, welcome back. Hi, Amy. It's great to be back. And it has been a, a little hiatus, but thank you for the er- emeritus designation. Yeah, I mean, we've we've known each other for so long and you've put up with me for so long. I can give you some <laughs> sort of honoree. So, but today we have your sister on board here, don't we? We do. Yeah. I'm, I'm so happy for the, the audience to get to know Karen, who is one of my favorite people in the world. And and through you, that's how I got to know Karen and, you know, and I've got to know her a little bit more over the last year because she's actually working on this documentary project, a short film that we'll talk about later. And it's talking about a hockey referee who went off and transitioned and then came back to ice hockey. So it's a pretty amazing story about me. So <laughs> there we go. So we call that a tease in the business. But welcome to Transformation Thursday, Karen Rodriguez. Thank you. Thanks, Amy. Hi, Francesca. Nice to be on with you. Hi, Karen. (laughs) Well, as we take this turn into, you know, making Transformation Thursday about the queer community here in the Finger Lakes and the Rochester area, Western New York as a greater whole, you know, Karen has an interesting tie into the community because she's a filmmaker who lives in Ithaca. She's not originally from the area. And Francesca has ties here in upstate New York well through Karen and your mother and family that are here. And of course, through me and the local comedy community. So I figured this and your story of coming out, Francesca, is so heartwarming to me and how you told your family and how that transpired. And so I think that's the tie. I think as I envision this, the base tie in for, you know, to the LGBTQ community here in the area, but I'll let you kind of take it over from here because you two can kind of talk amongst yourselves and I'll be back in 10 minutes. (laughs) Just by way of introducing Karen, of course, she's my wonderful sister. She's, I always think of Karen and I always tell people this, that she's the creative one because like I'm, I'm the lawyer and you know, no one's always excited to hear the lawyers talk, but, you know, Karen's always been creative doing things with cameras and movies. And so, you know, I really look up to her, to her for her creativity. But Karen, why don't you introduce yourself instead of me talking about you? Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your your kind of film history? And, and then I can talk maybe about, our you know, our special connection. Well, thank you. Some days I do not feel creative at all. So it's nice to nice to hear to get labeled that. So yeah, I'm a filmmaker and my interest in film goes 
way back to when I was a teenager, I started doing photography and, you know, got into it from that end. And I went, I studied film as an undergrad and then I worked in the industry in Seattle, went to grad school at the University of Iowa for film and ended up teaching, which is what brought me to Ithaca, where I, I had taught at Ithaca College for a while. And then I left teaching and now I have a, a production company here in Ithaca and I do some creative projects, some, you know, a lot of sort of educational work as well. But one of the creative projects is this, is this film with Amy, which I guess we're going to get into more, more like in a little, in a little bit. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit, a little bit later, but you know, but you know, but I guess from your perspective and Francesca can jump in on this too. It's like, you know, that, you know, we talk a lot about in, there's a lot of talk in society about kids coming out as trans or gender diverse. And of course, Francesca and I came out, you know, give or take a few years around 50. And so, you know, how it, as a sibling of a trans person, how was that process for you? And, you know, and how have you come to terms with it and how has it evolved for you? Well, I, I have to admit that it was quite a surprise to me when Francesca shared her news. So it was, uh, you know, I, I could, the exact moment of that, I remember because she seemed very nervous. It was, it was just over the Christmas and New Year's holiday and I knew she had something to say and she was having a hard time getting it out. And I just said, you know, I kind of just, I, it was a surprise to me, but in that moment, I just had an, I had a, I had an inkling that what was coming and I can tell you my clue, my tell in, in a minute, but. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know I had a tell. <laughs> yeah. It, you no. lots of tells, Francesca. But, you know, I just said, whatever you have to tell me, I love you no matter what. And, and I think, I think that made it easier. It made me feel like, okay, I'm leaving an opening here. So, you know, the news came tumbling out and yeah, it's been, it's been quite, I've been, I feel like I've been on this journey with Francesca ever since, because I, I'm a little bit familiar with the trans community, but actually through some film projects with a filmmaker here in Ithaca called Becky Lane. But, you know, I, I, I really honestly didn't know very much about the process of, of coming out as trans. And so I've, I've been learning a lot as Francesca has blossomed into her true self. And Francesca, as you're in that moment with her and she's, and Karen just says she had an inkling, you know, Thinking back to that, what's going through your mind as you're about ready to break this watershed moment on your family? Yeah, and Karen was the first person I came out to prior to telling her. I had a small community of trans women in the D.C. area who knew me as I had been exploring. And actually, so as, as Karen said, it was between Christmas and New Year's and 2018. And Maybe six months earlier, I had finally realized like this was really who I was and I had to make this permanent. And I was kind of, you know, I had been going through a lot of preparation as you do, but I had, had not come out to anyone yet. And so I was nervous. I, I, the reason I chose Karen is because I knew she loved me and, you know, you were really the safest person I could think of. You and, you and mom and, and our mother, Cora, but I just you know, felt like I wanted to tell you. And so 
so I was, I was nervous because I was, you know, eventually as you come out to multiple people, you kind of get your spiel down, but you know, you were getting the, 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 the auto release of my spiel. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Yeah. But also in there, I mean, what people might not realize is for your family, the significance of that Christmas and new year's experience. Who would yeah. like to, yeah. Who wants to talk to that? I can, I can talk about that because, you know, while I believe I was supportive in the moment and, and I tried to be supportive, I did feel very, very anxious afterwards thinking through like the, not, not thinking about my mom or something, but just thinking about the, the broader implications within our family. This gave me a lot of anxiety and, you know, just, you know, had to deal with that myself. I was thinking, you know, what, Anyway, I just had to process it because I knew, you know, there are people in our family who who aren't as supportive. And that made me really nervous. And I mean, it also made me feel like my mom and I talked about it. You know, we felt not sad that Francesca had come out, not at all, but sad that this is something that, you know, she had been carrying for a long time. And, you know, we, we felt, you know, moved by that, that, that you know, this is a difficult decision to make or a process to go through. Not maybe, maybe it's not a difficult decision when it is who you are, but it's a difficult process given the, given the world we live in. Did you know that most social media and podcast platforms do not monetize queer content and that it takes money and time to host, edit, and market a podcast? In an effort to not rely on advertising internet search giants and huge social media platforms who rule the metaverse, we're taking our pitch directly to you, the listener of Transformation Thursday. In an effort to get Transformation Thursday out to those interested in the greater queer community of Rochester, New York and the Finger Lakes, head over to TransformationThursday.com, where you will find podcasts Patreon page to financially support Transformation Thursday. Patreon levels start at a dollar a month, and that is one dollar a month to help get Transformation Thursday out to those interested in the queer community of Rochester and the Finger Lakes. Direct your favorite browser to TransformationThursday.com and become a Patreon today. Yeah, and I mean, in that Christmas, New Year's is like the only time that your family is really together on a regular basis, too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Go ahead, Francesca. Yeah. That, yeah, that was also, you know, I was kind of struggling with when to come out and to whom. And, you know, I, I did not want to just make the entire Christmas vacation about, you know, me. But I did, you know, I knew I was going to start taking these steps. So I certainly did want to kind of move the ball forward. But I was not ready to come out to my son at that time and, and didn't actually come out to him for about six more months. So it was not like this wasn't my announcement to the world. This was really my very first dipping my toe into coming out. And, 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 and we didn't tell everyone. I told my mom the next day. And then Karen and I had a wonderful New Year's evening with a couple of her friends. But uh, other than that, we did, it, did, it didn't become this huge family announcement at that point. It was pretty personal. And then slowly in the next few months, I did start coming out to more and more friends, you know, and so the, the, the number of people who knew grew. But what I remember is I told Karen and she, she just looked at me. It was the perfect response. She said, no matter what, I love you. And I always wanted a sister. 
And that just made me kind of melt. (laughs) Yeah, no. But yeah, but how did you guys balance that then? Because, you know, Francesca, you told your your mom and Karen, but yet you had your son you had come out that you hadn't come out to yet. And Karen, you have two kids, two who are, I don't know how close the, the cousins are there, but that had to be a balancing act going through the holidays then. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I told my husband and we, and Francesca had asked that we not tell the kids because she was waiting to tell her son just to get him through the school year. So he, in case there were issues, he didn't, wasn't disruptive in to him. Yeah. So because of that, we, we waited also till to tell our kids after, until after Francesca's son or my nephew knew. Yeah. So, it, and then also, I guess our our dad, Francesca, didn't didn't come out to our dad until after she'd come out to Emerson. Yeah, and I really don't want to dig in too much on the extended family because I mean that's their experience to talk about. But you know, but either one of you can jump in on this one. But how has your relationship, you know, one changed and two, you know, at least from my appearance of being around you two it seems like you're closer than you were ever before. Yeah, I think we are closer than we were before. I mean, I guess you didn't know us before, but, but you know, we're as close as can be. Yeah. I, I feel, I feel like I'm on this journey with Francesca. I'm excited for her because I, I see how happy she is now. And I don't know that she ever really, she's always laughed a lot and like had a, like a ridiculous ability to to laugh uncontrollably but i i feel like really? uh, yes you've always laughed like i had a lot a big laugh and that i don't know that's something that, that i've thought about you the, your whole life but i feel like you're now just just happier overall like the the general you're also you know more open to talking about things and i just yeah i feel like i feel like we're we're able to communicate more just because you are more open. I guess it's easier to talk to a woman than it is to a guy in a lot of ways for me. So that barrier has gone. <laughs> oh, I, I, I can think of, I mean, two, two thought two thoughts, one related to the coming out. I just think like the specifics of my story, I think just highlight that everyone who's coming out has their own unique circumstances that impact like when and to whom and kind of at what rate they do things. And so, you know, the way I did it was because of my specific concerns and circumstances, but, you know, everyone has a kind of a different journey that they have to make. And sometimes you're just kind of feeling your way along, you know, and doing the best you can. As far as like our, my relationship with Karen, I, I think my relationships across the board have improved because I'm just more open and, I've I've learned now that being vulnerable actually encourages people to then open up to me in return. And so I feel like I've gotten the benefit of coming out and that people are more open to me and they bring, I've had so many people talk to me about things that I don't think they ever would have before I became true to myself. And and so there's just, there's any barriers that existed before, you know, based on me being uncomfortable with myself have kind of gone away. And so I really do value our communications, Karen. Mm-hmm. Me too. 
Well, and Karen, I mean, and how has this changed your relationship with, you know, the LGBTQ community? I mean, you are, I mean, you taught at Ithaca College, which is very well known as one of the most trans-friendly campuses in the United States. And you're also close, and you also, I believe you do work for Cornell on contract basis right now, or you still have some involvement with Cornell University? Yes. Yeah. And that's also known as a very LGBTQ friendly campus. So how has your interactions with our communities changed over the last five, six years? Sure. That's a fair answer. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I guess I've been because, you know, both the campuses and Ithaca as a whole are LGBTQ friendly. You know, I'm. I've always had friends in the community, but I guess I'm more. I'm more aware of trans people, and I'm certainly more curious and sympathetic than I probably would have been in the in the past. So I, I'm, I, I'm not really I'm sort of floundering here, but no, I know. But it sounds more like a normalization process too. It's like okay, now you know more about the experience. You're more sympathetic. Empathetic is maybe a word that I would use, but that's me. But it sounds like it's. It's a normalization process for that lack of coming up with an answer also speaks volumes because you're just, it's just part of who you are now. You don't really think twice about it is what I'm hearing in that answer. Yeah, I think, I think so. I think that that's good. And yeah, I think empathy, you're right. Empathy is the correct, better word there. (laughs) Yeah. Gotcha. One thing I, Karen, you and, and John have both been so supportive, like immediately from that initial moment forward. I feel like you have been some of my best allies, if not my best allies, and especially in the Ithaca community. That's been great. But earlier you mentioned that I had a towel. <laughs> and, and, as it, and as it specifically relates to coming out to you, I'm interested in what, like, what was it? Because that's not necessarily something that people would just guess. This is Bill Satry, the big voice of Transformation Thursday, here to remind you what you're listening to is copyrighted material, all rights reserved 2022. But if you want to share an episode on social media and you won't get paid doing so, go for it. You can find Transformation Thursday online by searching for at TransThursPod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. On Apple Podcast, please leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. It's free and does help get Transformation Thursday to a larger audience. Right. So, well, a couple things. You, when you came up for Christmas that year, you had lost a lot of weight and you'd, and, and you'd dyed your hair. So I was like, that, that wasn't, that <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the greatest idea. <laughs> Sorry. So, so I was like, oh, wow, you know, Francesca's definitely, you know, changed, changed physically. Like you, you were running those merit, those 50 milers, which is insane, but you were running a lot. And I was like, wow, you know, so there's that. And, and then during the, you were wearing pink, you had a pink sweater. I was like, oh, that's that's a different color for Francesca. But the, but really, the the thing that I was thinking of was that you had long fingernails on both hands, and I know that you had. You know, I I was like, oh, guys who have long fingernails usually play the guitar, but not on both hands. <laughs> so I was curious about that at the time. So those. Mm. 
And and mom also said that you had you had pierced both of your ears, which I I had not noticed. But you weren't wearing earrings. Right, right. <laughs> well, and the pierced ears actually came up with your secretary before too, right? At your former firm. That's true. I had before I came out to my firm at one point I was in a kind of just a group of people talking in, in you know, in kind of like an open area, kind of gathering place. And my secretary was ex- she was one of the first people I came out to before I announced it at the firm. And we had a great a good relationship. So she looked over at me and she said, Did you pierce your ears? And I kind of I kind of chuckled and said, yeah. And I said, I got something I need to tell you. Cause I had been thinking about telling her, she was kind of one of those safe people at work. That was the first ones that I told. And so I, I said, we need to have lunch, you know? And so I scheduled a lunch and we did lunch. It was within a week of that, of her noticing that. And yeah, she was the first person I told at my office. Yeah. But how did you show up to that lunch unannounced? That's true. So that day, instead of going into the office and then going to lunch with her, I worked from home in the morning and met her at the um, the restaurant, which was across the street from our office. And I came as me, just Francesca. And she walked in and looked at me and she just got this big warm smile. And it was, it was really great. Yeah. It was a great lunch. Well, and I think that's the unifying thing in those stories is like we we understand who we we identify those safe people when we're starting to come out and we pick and choose them very deliberately. So I think that's, you know, that's a beautiful part of this. But I think, you know, transition wise, I think it's time to jump over to a film project. So, Karen, how did you hear about this hockey referee up here in Rochester? I mean, I mean, that's, I say that tongue in cheek, but I mean, what what was your what was your interest in, you know, asking me to do this film project well obviously not obviously but i obviously <laughs> i know you through francesca and just getting to know you found out that you you know were in the hockey community and were thinking you know going back into refing and it just struck me as a really kind of interesting um moment to document and the reason is is so our our son our younger son plays hockey and i've you know been around that community in upstate new york for 10 10 or 12 years and it always just seemed like a really masculine scene in my experience because i'm i'm dealing with boys hockey and it's just the juxtaposition of you as a trans woman coming into that scene just seemed potentially like some friction there or just uh, like there was a spark there in my mind that seemed like it could be worth exploring. Yeah. And I think that's the interesting thing about hockey is, is like on the male side, it is very alpha male, very that traditional masculinity part. And then, but in, in girls and women's hockey, it's very queer. Right. Which I had not experienced at all. So I'm, and I'm learning that, you know, through our conversations and I think it's great. So yeah. the other side could use that a little bit, I think. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I definitely agree with that. And I mean, the other day I was refereeing hockey and this 12 year old kid is, sees me skating and his eyes are popping out of his head and I have to look at me, kid, you can put your eyes back in your head. Come on now. <laughs> you know, you've never seen a trans hockey referee. And of course he's like, no, <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, what what has been your learning through this, you know, making this film? I know, you know, you, we've interacted a few times on it, but we've never really talked in depth about it. So what what have you seen 
for, through your lens and your perspective as you've been going through this project? Let's see. I've learned how into hockey you are and how, how it's yeah. and how, how much like your hockey, your depth of knowledge is really astounding and really amazing and fun, fun to experience. Um, I've, I've learned that for the most part, you really, that friction that I thought might be there is not so much there, at least in the, the times I was filming with you, you, you seem to have there probably it was more difficult for you you know based on what you said prior to coming out like as you were on hormones and you know before you had come out uh, to the hockey community there was probably more tension there and it it seems like there is you know this this kid the other day notwithstanding that you know people are just there to play hockey and amy's amy and it's not it's not a big it's not a big issue and um, it really has not been an issue it's so I, and, and, and I've been astounded by the lack of issue. And I think, you know, and I just came up the other day in the locker room. Somebody was like, you know, he said to me, he's like, you just seem more comfortable with yourself now out there on the ice. And that comes through that authenticity. And so I think, and Francesca and I both went through this, you know, in that time, you know, we're on hormones. We're live, we're, you know, we're, we're going to work, we're going to hockey, pretending to be, you know, a guy. But yet, you know, we're on hormones and we're living this duality and it, and it takes a toll on people physically. And I think that's where I was at the, the last season before I started my transition in earnest. Yeah, and, yeah, that it's, it seems um, it just confusing, like mentally exhausting to be in that space. But I think the storyline you actually are coming out of this filming is it's not so much about me and my transition. It's more about how referees are treated and the shortage of referees in hockey and youth sports. So what's been your learning in that, in that regard? Yeah, this has been the, the discovery of, of this project is that being a trans ref isn't such a big deal, but being a ref, just being a ref is a big deal uh, in, a, in a way because there's there's a there's a lot of abuse that comes at refs not just in hockey but in other sports from the players and from the coaches and from the parents and people are just a little bit out of control and and and, and directing anger towards the ref and that's really sad because the refs are obviously an integral part of the game there people just are there just doing their job sometimes they're adult people like you, but sometimes they're like, you know, young, young, you can start refing around, I think, age 14, 15. And when you get this kind of abuse hurled at you, it's not doesn't make it doesn't make you really want to stay in the field. So there is there's definitely a crisis in officiating. There's actually an article in the most recent USA hockey magazine that came came into our mailbox about talking exactly about this. So I think it's a timely, timely issue. Yeah. And there's, this is actually, you know, we're recording this, you know, on September 10th. And so this is actually the first big hockey weekend in Rochester. And there's about 300 games in town this weekend. And I know for a fact yesterday there, especially at the lower levels, like I think, you know, like the 10 U and eight U level, there are some games that probably only had one official on it where they should have had two. And where they're probably contracted for two because there's just not enough people. And of course, there's other factors that play into that too, like, you know, work and school schedules and everything else. But in the past, those games have been covered. And so, but we're, 
when I moved here 14 years ago, we had slightly over 300 officials. And I think now we're down around 200. And, you know, and a lot of that is attributed to the younger kids coming into the game, realizing, hey, yeah, I can make some money doing this, but do I want to take the emotional and verbal abuse from adults? Yeah. Yeah, they shouldn't have to. I mean, the adults should be the adults in the room. <laughs> should be. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not occasionally. Yeah. And, uh, you know, by, I've experienced that in my own, you know, my own kids game, just being in the stands. It's, you know, it's intense. You want your kid to win. You want your kid to do well. But, you know, the refs are humans. They might not see the call the way you see it when you're further away and not actually on the ice. And, and I think a little, a little grace, a little forgiveness, forgiveness could go a long way in this situation. Yeah. And I had a situation last night where the coach was like, are you sure that was really a goal? X, Y, Z, the player was in the crease, blah, blah, blah. That's some hockey lingo. And I just looked at the coach and I said, by the time I got to it, this is what I saw. And if I could go to Toronto, like the NHL does and get some video replay on it, I would, but they didn't take my call. So you know what, this is my call. And I, I'm, I'm empathetic to your argument, but I just didn't see it that way. And we got to roll on with the game at this point. Yeah. And he was like, okay, thanks for acknowledging my point and that you get it. And, but okay. You know, and so you just got to deal with those situations, honestly. And I think the old me wouldn't have been able to do that. It would have turned into an argument. So it's amazing what it does. So what's your timeline on this hockey referee project put you <laughs> on, to put you on the spot? Uh, it's, it's overdue. Let's just say that. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, but this year, the end, but before the end of the year, let's say that. Okay. But, uh, yeah. And actually I do want to film a couple more things with you. So we'll have to talk. Okay. About we'll talk about that offline yeah. here. Um, yeah. But yeah, we can make that happen. The other question I have for you then too, is like, okay, then put you on the spot. Where do you want it to premiere? Oh, oh, I, have some, I have somebody requesting a premiere on it already. Oh, well, it'll be there. <laughs> okay. It'll be the image out festival here in I New York. I would love to premiere an image out. Okay. I, yeah, I, I've been to that festival with that filmmaker, Becky Lane, her, 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 I worked with her on something called the Chanticleer a few years ago, and we went, we went to that festival. It's a great festival. Yeah. yeah the, and that's just coming up here in about a month. So, and we're actually going to have the, one of the directors on who does a lot of the scheduling and selecting of films for the festival, Michael Gamela. Mm -hmm. Here at the end of the month, we'll be doing an image out preview here as we head into October. So. Oh, Awesome. Well, let's let's say premiere then will have to be next year. Next, next year. We'll do some private screenings beforehand, but Absolutely. the world yeah. but the world premiere will be next October probably here in Rochester. So you got some time. Oh yeah. But no, I it, it needs I need to get it. I need to finish it up. Well, and I've been such a I've been such a pain in your ass on that too. Oh, really? Yeah, I know. Yeah, really. Oh, no. Every 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 once in a while I might text you to say, Hey, well, what's up? Yeah. Like inching yeah. forward <laughs> so amy are you gonna walk the red carpet in your uh, hockey hockey garb <laughs> no no probably not but maybe i'll maybe you'll give me a reason to go out and get a nice striped dress that's an excellent that's idea awesome. <laughs> well anyway this has been fantastic thank you both of you for joining me francesca always wonderful to have you on the podcast and as we continue to gear up for the next legislative season make sure if, if you don't mind maybe you might receive a text or a call here and there for your input 
Of course, I'm always willing to resume my uh, general counsel duties. Well, I know you're busy in life and you have a good job and a nice life going for you. So I don't want to intrude too much. So, but I appreciate your time. Thank you. And Karen, thank you. I've enjoyed getting to know you through Francesca over the last year plus, And I'm very honored that you chose me for a subject of one of your films and looking forward to seeing the finished product soon. Yeah. Thank you, Amy. Likewise, I've I've loved getting to know you and, and thank you for your generous time and patience on this project. And if you're ever up in Rochester and it's snowing and you need a bed, you know who to call. <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, for Karen and Francesca Rodriguez, my name's A.B. Stevens, and we'll be right back with a couple of concluding remarks. This and Bill Satry, the big voice of Transformation Thursday, is going to remind you that what you're listening to is copyrighted material. Thank you for listening to another wandering yet informative episode of Transformation Thursday. The podcast is produced and hosted by Amy Stevens. A special thank you to Kai Von Doom, Sarah Cannon, and the guys from Be More Media, Bebo, and Rory for providing media and consultation services. Until we all assemble again from the land of 10,000 lakes, my name is Bill Satry, the big voice of Transformation Thursday. Good night, everyone.